Hey, welcome back to Cathedral of Rockies Amity Podcast. We are so glad to have you here today. Uh, today's sermon is out of Luke chapter 14, verse 1 and verses 7 through 14. And Jesus' words in this passage are, in my opinion, very countercultural to us within American culture today. So maybe you, such as myself um, personally, was the kind of kid in school who desired to be like with the in crowd. And I definitely strove to be at their, their table, such as at lunch or recess. Um, and Jesus seems to have some serious critique of that mindset. Another example maybe is that maybe you're someone who spends a lot of energy trying to be in the same space with your boss or higher ups, because that can make it pretty easier, easy to get a promotion or easier to get a promotion. Um, And those are just two examples, but whatever the thing is, I think we all do this to some degree. It's really just kind of baked into our individualistic society. And Jesus has some challenging words for us in regards to this reality that we live in today. So I just encourage you to really listen uh, to the Spirit, but just when, as Ben kind of draws this out, um, just think like maybe what is being what is being said or like how are we being more compelled to push against our culture's expectations in regards to who we allow at the table or whoever's table whoever's table we desire to sit at because um i think i think jesus's words here really like i said at the beginning like i think it really counters the the norm or the status quo for our society so yeah really just see what um challenges you and also a note ben showed a meme in the service to help kind of illustrate one of his points so i've also linked that in the show notes so if you'd like to see that meme when he brings it up uh you know kind of you know what he's talking about as he talks about it so all right uh let's get to it and i hope you enjoy have you turn to to the gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles with us, we're going to look at Luke chapter 14. If you don't have your Bibles, the the text is on the screen with us this morning. This parable is exclusive to Luke's gospel. It's the only time that we have it in the New Testament. Um, And I really feel like it has an important message for us as the church today. Um, And I want to remind us of that question I asked us at the beginning of service. What, What seats are we compelled to take? If life was a table, What seats do we try to take ourselves, and how are we mindful of those seats in relationship to others? Let's listen to this parable that that Jesus tells. On Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being watched carefully. When he noticed how the guests picked this places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you 
may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the seat of least importance. But when you are invited, take the seat of lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back so that you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The written word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this passage, I really feel like Jesus is trying to teach us how to never get invited to another party again in our entire lives, right? Like, like imagine that you're at a friend's wedding reception or retirement party, and as soon as people start finding their seats in the banquet hall, some random guest stands up, grabs the microphone, and starts telling people the whole room a parable. Hey, everyone, just so you know, when someone invites you to a wedding feast like this, you shouldn't take the places of honor. But then they didn't stop there. They turned to the host of the entire event, maybe even the bride and the groom. And they say, also, when you like give a luncheon or a dinner like this, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so therefore be repaid. Would you give that a shot at the next wedding that you go to and let me know how that goes? Please don't. Please don't do that. I'm not giving you permission as a pastor to do that. So so we have to ask ourselves, why did Jesus feel prompted to share this parable at that particular gathering? What significance does it have for us as the church today? I went searching online as I tend to do for a meme that captures this entire scripture verse. And I think if I found one, a meme that translates this parable for today. So let me know how this parable can play out in the church today. And let me know if this strikes you as funny. Oh, Shane's gone. (laughs) Shane didn't think it was funny. (laughs) Shane, would you bring that up for me? A pastor friend shared that with me, and I have to tell you, like, a new person's entering the church, we're just gathering in for the first time, they're so excited to be here, they sit down in someone's spot, right? And someone comes along beside them. I've had so many stories, and this has happened to me in ministry and other colleagues, where guests will come in, they're so excited to be here, they'll sit down, and someone comes up, who's a a longtime member, rushing up, and they think, oh, they're so excited to greet me, only to shake their hand and say, you're in my spot. Anyone heard of a similar story like that before, right? Those of you who've been in the church a while, we've, we've known that this is a reality. So when this was sent to me, I'm like, this is that parable in one meme, right? Or the spots that we have are made more important than the people sitting in them, right? Thank you, Shane. I appreciate that. Even though you didn't think it was funny, I won't forget. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny because it's true, And it's also sad because it's true. 
Sometimes our positions in life are made more important than the people in our life. Pastors like myself are constantly told by their church members that they want young families at their church. That, that they want their churches to grow, yet when new people come and take their spot, it reveals how they actually feel about the presence of new people. Because when we have new people, guess what? Things get messy because we don't all believe the same thing. We don't have all the same opinions. So when we want new people, do we know what we're asking when we're inviting and wanting our church to grow? What I always try to tell church people is that while people may visit a church for whatever reason, maybe they heard that the pastor says some good things every now and then, their decision to stay depends on you. Their decision to stay at a church depends on how we treat them. It really comes down to how we treat other people. Amen? So the same was true in our passage from Luke today. Jesus gives this parable because the same thing was happening. In the culture that Jesus was living in, social hierarchy was very rigid and strong. And it shaped every gathering like the one that Jesus is attending. Everyone knew who was at the top, and what's more, everyone knew who was at the bottom. So, of course, gatherings like this could turn into people showing off their status and wealth and trying to make themselves appear high in their status compared to other people. It really encouraged people to be elitist and prideful. Those seen as the lower class, the poor, the differently abled, and those who simply didn't fit in were just not invited. Gatherings like this could often turn into a vivid display of the haves and the have-nots. But that wasn't just true for the culture of Christ's day, right? We still have dynamics like that today. Really, in every cultural context, public perception influences how someone is seen, how we address them, how we treat them. Ideological frameworks render people and groups by the categories of particular norms, biases, exclusions, and hierarchies of value. Such categories can produce a variety of effects along the spectrum of harmful to the liberating. For example, in an oppressive system that attaches moral significance to economic privilege, like that in Christ's day and some other places in the world today as well, Someone living in poverty or dependent on public assistance might be stigmatized as immoral, lazy, or incompetent. We see this often in capitalistic societies like ours, where even helping people who have been stigmatized in this way can be seen as immoral or creating systems of entitlement. But for Luke, those living in economic insecurity, the lowly, as Jesus calls them, are categorized as cherished recipients of God's favor and supported in times of distress. Luke's narrative compels believers to resist ideologies that diminish the humanity of others in any way. Let me say that one more time. The gospel of Jesus compels believers to resist ideologies that diminishes others' humanity in any way. Can I get an amen? Amen. 
We are to resist any ideology that dehumanizes another person because there isn't a set of eyeballs that you've looked into that isn't created in the image of God. As Carolyn J. Sharp, professor of Hebrew scriptures at Yale Divinity School, says so beautifully, God's realm is built not on the displays of wealth, prestige, or political influence, but on love of the neighbor, even in conditions of conflict. Wow. So this parable is about entitlement and privilege and how our relationships are shaped by those forces in the world. For example, I know that as a white, straight, Christian man in America, especially a pastor, I have historically had places of honor reserved for me at every table, right? Especially in places like Idaho. I was born here, I grew up here, I know how things work. Just look at the positions of power in our culture and you will see people who look more like me than anyone else. People who are making decisions and laws for others whose life experiences are vastly different from theirs in almost every way. This can have a dramatic impact, even a deeply harmful impact on the people around us when decisions are made for them by people who are deeply disconnected by their lived circumstances. To put in the terms of Christ's parable, who can afford to offer lavish dinner parties? There's only a certain amount of people who can afford to throw lavish dinner parties. So what happens when people who can afford to throw lavish dinner parties only invite those who can afford to throw lavish dinner parties? Who gets left out? Those who can't afford, right? It can't be any clearer than that. Those who get left out are the poor, the powerless, the, all the, the people that Jesus mentioned at the end of the parable, the, the lame, the blind, those who can't afford to be in that same economic class. So when those who have power and influence only share with others who have power and influence, the vulnerable and the marginalized are neglected and harmed every single time. Jesus wanted to change all that. <laughs> you see, Jesus' mama, church calls her Holy Mary, the mother of God, but he called her mama, <laughs> had a prophetic song about Jesus before he was born in Gospel of Luke. Read it when you get home, Luke 1, verses 46 through 55. She sang that he would fill the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty. She's saying that he would lift up the lowly and pull the powerful down from their thrones. She was singing about how the revelation of God and Jesus Christ would turn systems where wealth and power are abused, turning them upside down. Where the most vulnerable, those who are treated as the last to receive good things in the current systems of power and privilege, will be the first to inherit the kingdom of God in the world. Jesus echoes the vision so many times, most famously in Matthew chapter 20 where he says, so the last will be, and the first will be, he has come to turn things upside down. This is why I called my sermon today, the gospel comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable every single time. 
Because this gospel that Jesus comes to bring is really good news to the poor. It is also really good news for those who have been given positions of privilege and power who are radically focused on helping the poor and bringing good news to them. But my friends, it isn't such good news for those who want to continue securing and maintaining their own power and wealth at the expense of other people. That kind of abuse of privilege and power, the gospel's not good news. <laughs> it's a threat, right? For them, the gospel of Jesus isn't good news. For folks like, say, I don't know, King Herod, the rich young ruler, Caesar Augustus, and others in the New Testament, all men of great wealth and power, they didn't respond super joyously to the coming of Christ into the world. They didn't respond super joyously to a teenage peasant girl singing in the streets about how God is going to turn their systems of exploitation upside down. They weren't thrilled with the idea of being pulled down from their thrones and sent away empty. It wasn't good news for them because they were only concerned about having good news for themselves and no one else. Remember, Mary is named after Miriam, who is Moses' sister, the prophetess. And she sang these words, the horse and rider fell into the sea. You, every image you'll see is her, with her of a tambourine. And guess what? when she's singing? When the Red Sea has collapsed on the entire army of Egypt. This is a message that God has been speaking into the world from the beginning, that we will turn systems of oppression uh, where privilege and power are abused and put over others upside down. God is here for the least and the lowly. Side note, sermon within a sermon, this is a freebie. I honestly think this is why that some Christian traditions don't allow women in leadership. God uses them too powerfully to disrupt the status quo. What these traditions miss, though, is that God will use bold women as leaders whether the church will allow it or not. God has already given them a place of honor at the table, and we as the church shouldn't stand in their way. Sermon within a sermon concluded. It is this gospel that Jesus is using the parable of the dinner party to illustrate. It couples, it compels us to ask ourselves, how do we order our relationships, our social standings, economic standing, religious status and leadership around privilege and power rather than humility and generosity? How does our cultural context shape our social hierarchies? Because guess what? We still have them. This is not the first century, but we still have social hierarchies of value. I'll give you an example. I'm going to confess something that happened to me this week. Our food pantry is incredible. Everyone agree? Steve and Sue Walker, everyone who volunteers... Thank you so much. Last Monday, we were able to serve 50 family units. Um, it was incredible. And we serve hundreds of families every month, right? Um, so if you ever want to come and be a part of something incredible on Monday nights, come and participate with the food pantry. I, I'm there Monday evening. I'm finishing some things up in my office. I'm making a mad dash to the printer and back and forth. And a lot of people are, are gathered in our lobby waiting for food. People are leaving with their food. It's just a, a beautiful collection of people. 
And as I'm walking back to my office, I hear one woman say to another, so how was your trip to Spain? Can you imagine where my mind went? I caught myself. My first thought was a snap judgment. If you can afford a trip to Spain, what are you doing at our food pantry? I have to tell you, Jesus walked up to me real quick and started talking to me in my ears like, hey, let's talk about what seat at the table you think you have right now, right? The old fundamentalist in me thought, if they can afford a trip to Spain, what are they doing taking food from our food pantry? And Jesus is like, whose food pantry is it? Is it our food pantry? It makes me sick really looking at back on that moment, but that's the framework of rugged individualism that we've been given in our culture. The gospel of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Like, if you can afford this trip to Spain, you shouldn't be here seated at our food pantry or our table. I caught myself making a snap judgment based on my social hierarchy of capitalism that I'm used to in our culture. When in reality, I didn't even know them, right? What if they were gifted a trip to Spain with a friend or a family? What if they had saved up for years and were finally able to go on their dream vacation? Most importantly, who seated me at the head of the table to decide whether or not they deserved to be in our food pantry, right? I did. I placed myself there. And Jesus came along and said, hey, let's think about this seat you've taken and why. It's so easy to make a snap judgments these days. It is easy to look at the way someone is dressed or the car they drive or the trips they go on and immediately apply a social standing where they are seated at the table of life and judge what they deserve and what they don't. It is easy to look at someone's age, whether they're young or they're old, and do the same. It's easy to look at someone's race or sexuality and make those same judgments. It is easier to put ourselves in high seats of honor over others rather than put ourselves in other people's shoes. The reality is in a culture like ours that praises rugged individualism as a virtue, that constantly preaches the gospel of pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps, needs are often hidden. My friends, today is the 59th anniversary of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. And one of his quotes that just was a, a sword through my heart was, it is a cruel thing to say to a bootless man to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There are people living in circumstances we don't know about. And that will only go, yes, personal responsibility, that's great. But when that's your religion, helping people will feel like a sin. When your religion is rugged individualism, helping people will feel like a sin. They are often, needs in our culture are often carefully buried behind a smile that says everything is fine. Anyone been, been there? in your need, because more often than not, people fear being shamed as lazy or immoral for simply needing help. 
We all have needs. Some have greater needs than others, but others of us are just able to hide them better and more easily from other people. I think this parable is a challenge for us as the church today to reshape our relationships by humility and compassion rather than a hierarchy of power and privilege. I think this parable is calling the church to ask regarding every social and political issue from COVID protocols to public school curriculum, gun control, abortion laws, the student loan forgiveness, and how our local churches are run, who is placed at the seats of highest honor to make decisions about these things? How will these situations impact the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, the differently abled, and the most vulnerable, rather than only asking, how does this impact me and my beliefs? Our world desperately needs a people who are committed to humility and compassion towards others. Amen? May we as the church not be known for exalting ourselves and humiliating others but instead be known for humbling ourselves in order to lift up others and calling those in positions of power in our world to do the same. For when we say all means all here at Cathedral of the Rockies, we mean it. There is always room at the table for you and you are an honored guest. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to, we'd very much appreciate it if you would subscribe to this podcast as well as rate and review it. Also, if you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at amity.campus at boisefumc.org. That email will be in the show notes. Finally, as a smaller congregation, our budget is pretty tight. If you'd like to help out and donate to us, there is a link to do so in the show notes. Of course, no pressure, only if you're feeling called to give. But more income does mean possibly more content and better quality of content, as well as supporting our current ministries and those we'd like to expand on. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day.